What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another live stream. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. Today is November 11th, 2022. Hope you guys are doing well on this Friday. Hope you have big plans for the weekend. Uh, kind of unplug from this crazy FTX drama. Really, I am I'm not frustrated by it because I know that it's it's it is a big deal. And I mean it's opportunity for a lot of people to wake up. It's an opportunity for a lot of misinformation, you could say, to get put out there about Bitcoin and about, um, you know, the, the quote unquote industry. But uh, I mean, I was unaffected. I don't think any of my followers were affected, really. Um, and it wasn't completely obvious. I mean, FTX wasn't completely obvious uh, that it was going to fail right away but it was fast and loose and the last week or two it was getting a little bit more obvious especially when uh that sbf started tweeting about stuff and and he had that interview with eric Voorhees, and we kind of saw some inklings building up into this but overall it was like i was not aware of the kind of nepotism that was involved um with all the behind the scenes stuff with Alameda, FTX, with their token, with all sorts of venture capitalist firms, you know, um, uh, something like, what was it now? 150 offshore subsidiaries or something like this. So if you were a little bit more in the know about the internal workings and internal finances of this company, then, um, you know, it would have been much more obvious, but it was a it was a product. It was kind of it's kind of like the kingpin of this whole DeFi thing, um, this whole last leg of the market. So prior, you know, we had the ICO bubble uh, that was absolutely insane. I think it was more insane than this one, guys. Um, but it didn't explode in the same way. It kind of just fizzled out uh, and. This one is exploding. This DeFi NFT craze, um, swaps, all these like Uniswap and Sushi Swap, and, and all these other things. Um, you know, this this was all a big either money laundering scam, which a lot of, a lot of us talked about that early on. Um, also, just Ponzi schemes. It was just a bunch of competing Ponzi schemes, and. They constantly had these hacks, quote unquote hacks, which most hacks in the uh, altcoins are, I believe, insiders. It's the insiders hacking them. Um, but this was kind of like the the last boss of this cycle. And now well, we're also seeing things like BlockFi. Apparently, BlockFi was holding 100% of their stuff at FTX. What? Uh, it's just the epicness of the scam the scam anomics or pump anomics or whatever it's just like the epitome of this this was the playground for all of these pyramid scheme people and i remember being in the meetup early on back in omaha and this one guy that came all the time he was really into like multi-level marketing and pyramid schemes and and all that stuff. And of course, he found the Bitcoin industry very fascinating. And I think this just really plays on like these altcoins that is it's making 
you know, something out of nothing. It's, it's printing value out of thin air, which it does is the bot bait, the base value of Ethereum and all of the altcoins. Um, but he was very fascinated by it. And I, I looking back on it, it's so clear why he was, because that whole space is just, uh, it's just rife for that type of activity. Um, anyway, I don't really want to spend too much time on the FTX stuff because a lot of people are covering it very well. And I'm kind of fed up with my, seriously, nine out of 10 tweets on my timeline and whatever are all of, even on some of the news sites I go to, it seems like half of the articles recently have been about this, uh, FTX drama. So, um, kind of over it, but I, I do want to talk about the regulation side. And FTX, so FTX, uh, apparently now the Sam Bankman, what, how do you say that third name? Sam Bankman fried or freed someone, <laughs> someone in telegram, you can raise your hand and let me know how to say that. But, uh, anyway, he is apparently his mom is a big, has a big, uh, democratic, uh, political action committee committee set up. And he was a big donor to the Democrats. And now there's stuff leaking about him and Gary Gensler with behind the scenes lobbying and trying to monopolize the Bitcoin space, maybe turn FTX into some sort of, you know, regulatory capture um, exchange. Interesting stuff. But also Alameda's CEO is son of some guy that's high up in the SEC as well. So there's like multiple layers of nepotism going on here, nepotism and interaction with the SEC. Now, I don't know, like I'm willing to give Gary Gensler the initial benefit of the doubt because uh, I think he has been the, uh, maybe the best SEC commissioner that I know of. And I could, I mean, I at least remember two previous ones. So um, I think he's an okay quote unquote regulator, but um, it's kind of fishy that, you know, he came in and he was looking, he was very Bitcoin friendly. He loves Satoshi. He like idolizes Satoshi, maybe from a technical side, um, but he drug his feet and he's been dragging his feet on all this crackdown on Ripple and, and all these other things. Um, initially, I thought it was because, you know, he's really trying to form precedent for this, you know, how to regulate these uh, altcoins through like soft regulation. So, you know, a lot of financial regulation is actually enforced by CPAs and by uh, other accountants and um, auditors and, and all of that stuff. It's like better not do and lawyers even like you better not do this. You're going to get you're going to go to jail. And so a lot of that reg the enforcement is actually enforced through the professional career uh, career fields. And that is due to precedent, right? And so I was thinking that Gary Gensler wanted to really set precedent with this Ripple case and get all the professional licensing boards and stuff on, on his side to do this soft regulation because it, it is really crazy to try to think you're going to be able to regulate 10,000 different altcoins and stuff like that. So anyways, uh, 
I don't know if that's still the case or not, but I do know that there is regulation coming from this. Big time, there's going to be regulation coming from this. And it is, I think, I would love to see more on my Twitter feed pounding home that this is not a Bitcoin problem. This is a scam problem. This is a altcoin problem. That Bitcoin is different. We need to drive that wedge between the Bitcoin and its false substitutes. And I'll continue to talk about this because I think it's very important. Um, so we'll definitely see regulation of crypto exchanges and we'll definitely see regulation of stable coins. Those, those, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I mean, it would be nice if that wasn't needed, but look at the scams, people. You know, years ago, uh, I went through a couple different political phases in my life, and uh, I started off as a constitutionalist, and that's why I ended up joining the military back after 9-11, and I was a constitutionalist. Then I, as I was in the belly of the beast, I became more and more anarchist, you know, libertarian anarchist, and uh, so I went through that phase, but, you know, now I'm more of a realist, and the real thing is that there's going to be scammers, and there's going to be people that fall for scams. Um, there's going to be bad people in this world, and there's good people. I mean, most of the time, you'll meet a, a person on the street, and they're really kind and nice, and it's all dictated by social norms and things like that, but if you gave them a choice whether to stab you in the back for a million dollars or not and do something completely unethical, many people will do that. Many, many people, probably more than half of people will, you know, completely ruin your life unethically to get ahead. And so anyway, a realist would say that, uh, they're, neat, they're obviously regulations are a natural response, but there are bad regulations, of course, and there's better, there's no perfect regulation. But anyways, uh, getting far off of this, I, I think there is regulation coming for stable coins and exchanges and the real big narrative switch we need to do right now, I think as a community, as a Bitcoin, as Bitcoiners is hammer home that Bitcoin doesn't need regulation, like mining doesn't need regulation. Peer-to-peer -peer transactions aren't the thing that needs regulation. What needs regulation are these scammers, are the exchanges, are the, the, the seriously, the people lying about the unregistered securities. Absent regulation, I don't think we're going to drive the definitional wedge between Bitcoin and substitutes well enough, at least fast enough in for our lifetimes for us to see Bitcoin really take over. And that's a sobering thing because a lot of times when people get into Bitcoin, they think, oh, you know, it's going to happen so quickly. And of course, everyone's going to see this as hard money, sound money, and you want to buy. There's only 21 million, you know, 21 million or infinity divided by 21 million. But that could take hundreds of years. It could take hundreds of years to break through at least a generational cycle of 80 years, right? Um, it could really take that long for people to realize that. Um, 
so if that's the case, you know, right now we need to, we have a way to speed that up and we can speed that up through this, these regulatory definitions. And man, I hate saying that. I'm probably going to listen back on this and be like, I, I totally shouldn't have said any of that, but um, that's what I, I think right now is it, it can't stop Bitcoin. Uh, regulation can't stop Bitcoin and Bitcoin will eventually win even without regulation, even under fire from all of these statists and globalists and regulators and stuff, but it would speed it up. So that, uh, the, the greatness that is Bitcoin, Bitcoin fixing things can start sooner rather than later, right? Rather than your great grandkids, it can start for your kids. Wouldn't you like to see that? So anyway, that's, that's kind of where I'm falling on this. Um, do not be surprised by regulation coming down. Do not be surprised by FUD, but this is kind of like the new scaling debate, I think. Um, you know, we had the no 2X movement and we had the, what was it? The UASF movement. And that was really a, uh, not, it wasn't a centralized movement. It was a decentralized movement of people that really cared about it and really were pushing that narrative. And that was the narrative for a long time, probably a year and a half in Bitcoin. That was all we really talked about in Bitcoin. It would be nice to see that level of concerted effort being pushed towards these people on that are just starting to think about regulating Bitcoin. We need to touch them we, you know, with the tweet. We need to touch them with the tweet. We need to get out there and really make sure they know that Bitcoin isn't the thing that needs regulation. So anyways, that's what I have to say about that. Let's take a look at this market stuff. So a lot of, I saw a couple tweets this morning about the, I guess, lack of quality in this bounce. So from, you know, the CPI came out on Wednesday and there was a huge rally opened up, gapped up and uh, on the um, stock market, S&P 500. But it really has been, well, it followed through a little bit yesterday. Today is kind of slowing down. It did break some levels on the S&P 500. But if you look like the NASDAQ, it's hitting that same resistance that it's hit a couple times prior. So it's not as clear of a breakout on NASDAQ, but on the S&P 500, it, it definitely is. And, but a lot of people are saying, you know, this is low quality. These, this is a low quality breakout with a lot of people getting squeezed on shorts and stuff like that. It's not like sustainable. And also that the, some of the biggest days in stock market history are bear market rally days. And one thing I've been saying too for a long time is, uh, you know, the direction that things go quickly is usually counter trend. Uh, so if you see like something has trended downward for six months and then it rallies for two weeks and it really has a hard rally, most likely that's not a change in fundamentals. That's not a change in the underlying market. That is just a relief rally a squeeze, a temporary correction and until the uh, you know trend continues. So I don't like to see huge, huge gains uh, in the direction I'm wanting the market to go. Um, I don't like to see that. So we'll have to watch this and, and really see if it's sustainable at this time. Uh, if we continue to go up here, I think this is kind of like the crossroads. So if we go up another two or 3% on the stock markets, I think that this bounce is real and we have 
change the trend uh, towards my prediction of a stronger stock market along with a stronger Bitcoin. Now, this ties into the what's going on with the dollar. I mean, it is just tanking. I did post a dollar chart earlier this morning in Telegram. So if you guys are listening on Twitter Spaces, welcome if you're you know, welcome if you're listening for the first time. But uh, join the Telegram, t.me for slash Bitcoin and Markets. That's where I post most of my charts and things. And the best place to listen and to have an open mic at the end of each episode. But yeah, the dollar now down to 106, really, really crashing the last couple of days. But you see it's very broad based. So the, the euro is up at 103, just really spiking here. Uh, the Japanese yen is also strengthening. Now the ratio is down to 138 yen per dollar. That's down from 152 down to 138 in just a couple weeks. The Hong Kong dollar is, I've talked about that a lot on the show here as a proxy for stress in in East Asia. Um, and it's down significantly away from the top of the peg. So the top of the peg for the Hong Kong dollar is 7.85. And, you know, it's not a hard peg where... 7.85 is what we're going to keep it at, right? It's a peg between 7.75 and 7.85. And so as the price is moving or as the uh, exchange rate is moving between those two in that range, you can kind of tell which currency is experiencing more stress. Like, is it a dollar shortage stress or is it a dollar weakness stress? Almost it's never a dollar weakness stress, but you know, um, what, what can we look at this chart and say is happening with the global dollar market and Hong Kong, I think is a good proxy for that. And right now it is definitely off of the top of this peg uh, down almost two bips, I guess you could say from the top of the range. What else against the CNY, the dollar is also crashing. Now it's only at 7.1 yuan per dollar. It got as high as one, 32, now it's down to one, uh, sorry, uh, 732, now it's down to 710. So that is a significant strengthening of the yuan versus the dollar. So anyway, what I'm trying to say is the this is a broad-based strengthening of other currencies or weakening of the dollar. I, I've also noticed over the last couple of days, people starting to say, oh man, this is it. The dollar is going to crash. The do- See, the dollar, this is the end of the dollar. The end of the dollar system. <laughs> These are the same people that thought the dollar was going to crash, you know, a year and a half ago and three years ago and six years ago and 10 years ago. Hasn't happened. It's actually higher now than all those other times. But it does fit with my prediction that we are into a new top, a new higher range. Now we're just going to set the bottom of that range. You can think about this, wherever this ends up, maybe 103 or something like that, maybe 105, maybe it bounces here. I don't know, but that will set the bottom of the range for the next couple of years. And we'll see if my prediction is correct, but I have been pretty good at calling the dollar over the last two, three years where everybody was talking, you know, with COVID and all of the trillion, we were told that. 40% of all dollars were printed last year, right? (laughs) Which is not true. But uh, in the midst of that, I would say, no, the dollar's been strengthened here. 
are going to strengthen. And, and it was very, very much uh, contrarian, counter trend. And I turned out to be right. And now here, everybody's jumping on the weak dollar again. And I think it's just going to consolidate. So we'll see how that goes. But in that world, like think about this. So the dollar is crashing. It really is crashing down from 114 down to 106. And Bitcoin is crashing too. I mean, gold is having a good week. But Bitcoin obviously is not with this FTX. So the fundamentals underneath Bitcoin have shifted back to the bullish side for sure. The fundamentals have definitely shifted. It is just this FTX stuff that is holding the price down. And when this does get cleared up, which eventually will get cleared up, they, they, are, they filed bankruptcy, right? So now there's not going to be people dumping out of there. Um, all that stuff is going to be held up for a long period of time. I mean, BlockFi going under, they're, if they, they, they're not going to be dumping, right? Because it, it's now it's all locked up in the FTX bankruptcy. So we'll see. We'll see how this shakes out. There was an issue yesterday. A lot of Solana was going to be unlocked from their staking. I had no idea they were even proof of stake, to be honest with you. I don't follow that altcoin stuff. But uh, they were going to be unlocked. And people were really worried about a, a crash. Let me pull up that chart and see what happened to Solana yesterday. Sol USD, probably USDT, not FTX. Let's go to Binance and see. So it did have a pretty, well, no. Yesterday it had a green day. People were dumping into the unlock, which is crazy. People were dumping into the unlock with the FTX stuff. It was green yesterday. It's a little bit red today. So it's really following the Bitcoin Bitcoin chart here. But people are really scared of a continuing altcoin crash. But I don't think altcoins die in a blaze of glory. You know, I think they just peter out. Um, and then the next generation might come out. But we'll see if the next generation does come out. If the SEC and if these uh, you know government regulators come in and say, "Look, no, we're not. You're not doing this anymore with the the casino altcoin casino." Um, there might not be a new generation of altcoins, right? And then everything will be concentrated onto Bitcoin, and that would be uh, a net positive for sure in my mind. So, anyways, um, what else do I have to talk about? Let's take a look at oil real quick before we get to the U.S. 10-year. Oil is at 88. I saw it touch 90 this morning. It is having higher lows, but not higher highs. So we'll see what happens with this. What, buddy? Yeah, when I'm done with this. How many more minutes will that take? A few more minutes. Sorry. They can all hear you, so bye. Is it five? Yes, five. Okay. I told my boy I'd take him fishing this afternoon, so he's all excited about that. I'm not a fisherman, but we're going to go fishing, and we're going to see how it goes. Okay, um, oil. It's it's not anything spectacular, guys. Where's all the people talking about $300 barrel oil? Now I just saw that, oh, people are talking about China opening up, and this is going to kick off the next commodity super cycle. 
everyone belong commodities. And I think we could have a bounce here in commodities because they, they have come down quite a bit. If you look at the copper price that I posted in Telegram earlier today, you know, it, it does look like it's bouncing because it's come off quite a bit from the highs. But reopening China does not mean there's going to be a huge demand for these commodities. They're going into recession or depression or communism 2.0. People are putting a lot of hope on this China to pull the world out of this funk. All we need to do, guys, all we just need to wait for zero COVID to be over. And then we'll, the, the global economy will be saved. Yeah, right. Come on now. China's headed for a dark, dark winter. Um, not as dark as Ukraine, but pretty dark. All right, what else do we have? Let's go to the 10-year. And I've been posting this quite a bit over the last two or three days since the uh, CPI release. But the 10-year is at 3.85%. It had a huge sell-off yesterday. Let's see, 6.1%. There's something like 29 bips that the 10-year fell. It fell into the Fed funds range. The, this bounce is, is not spectacular. I mean, it's a little bit green on the day, but we'll see what happens for the rest of the day. Um, but again, if these yields fall through the Fed funds range, the the Fed will not raise rates in December. So there's a lot of talk about, oh, this the Fed's preferred inflation index, the you know the core PCE. It doesn't have the same weights as the CPI and the core CPI. So they're not going to see the same reduction in quote unquote inflation that the CPI saw. Um, so they're going to raise 75 basis points. Well, that really doesn't matter. Okay. If the 10 year drops down to three and a half, the five year drops down to three, seven, five, they're not going to raise rates. Let's just have enough of that talk. All right. Um, that's it. I'm going to open up the mic here for anybody to bring up any topic they want to. Just raise your hand in Telegram and I'll relay it to Twitter Spaces. We had a couple good questions yesterday. Okay, was this Raphael? Yes. Okay, so uh, his question was, where do we go from here, upwards or sideways? Because there are a lot of other exchanges that are leveraged uh, like FTX. Um, well, FTX offered leverage, but... There, the problem with FTX was their reserves were leveraged. And I really don't think that there is an equal amount of degeneracy in the rest of these exchanges. Um, maybe Coinbase, but I, I don't think so. I think it's it's a, a quite a bit cleaner shirt than FTX. Uh, BitMEX, I think, is pretty good. I don't know what about the options options exchanges out there. Um, but most of the other exchanges, I think, are much less levered in, on the reserve side. Now, they do offer trading leverage, which can create wicks, okay? You can see some wicks that, you know, because the price is just set by the last Satoshi that's traded. And that if you just have a really thin order book, because a lot of people are taking their Bitcoin off of the exchanges, right? Which is good. We've seen a big outflow in the last week. So that's good. But that also means that there is uh, thinner order books and you could see a wick 
if someone makes a big sell order and just smashes sell a market sell, then you could see the price really wick down uh, because there's just not as much uh, volume sitting there waiting to buy. Uh, so that's a possibility. But for the most part, we see Bitcoin coming off exchanges. We see the worst offenders of leverage in the system getting liquidated. And so I think we're going, I think Bitcoin, I still am bullish on Bitcoin by the end of the year. Um, I think we could get to 40,000 by the end of the year. Uh, we'll have to see how it behaves in the next week or so. I think that will decide kind of the the next direction. Like, is this just a sell-off and a quick bounce like we saw in COVID? Or is this a longer leg of the bear market, another leg of the bear market? And we'll see that in probably the next week. So uh, if you're looking at uh, DCAing in, uh, I, this is not financial advice, but what I like to do is uh, if there's a big sell-off and you have a some dry powder that you've held on the sideline, you can DCA 25% in. Um, the next time you see a dip, 25% in, you know, so you're not just all trying to catch a knife at the bottom or anything like that. Um, but also one of the biggest mistakes that people make is not pulling the trigger. So they'll see a big red candle and they'll think, oh, it's going to go down another 20, 25%. I'm going to wait to buy. And then it doesn't ever go down. So or at the top, they say, oh, I'll, uh, you know, maybe it rallies. Maybe here we rally to 29,000 and it gets to a point where, you know, it looks like it got sell off again. So a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not going to buy here because I'm going to wait till it gets back down to 20. It tests that support or whatever at 20 and it goes back up. And then they, they don't buy and it goes up to 40. So the best thing to do is to, I mean, have, have a, plan and don't over invest because you don't want to be over invested and be watching these things crash. And then you kind of, you can't, you, you know, you have get into depression or suicidal or something like that. So you never want to put all of your eggs into one basket, but you got to pull the trigger. And the best way I found from to make myself pull the trigger on these kind of market sell-offs is to dip that toe in with 25% dip that toe in with another 25%. That gets you going. And also you're not going to miss the bottom and you can, uh, it changes your mindset to evaluate what's going on. So I hope that helps uh, Raphael. You're probably a better trader than I am. So, <laughs> oh, you don't trade. Oh, that's good. Anybody else on Telegram? All right, before I wrap it up, guys, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast feed. Just search pod, uh, Bitcoin and markets in any podcast app. I also have a Rumble channel trying to get that more subscribers and more views over there on Rumble. So I appreciate just the uh, quick going over there and clicking. I uh, also uh, appreciate all the likes and shares and subscribes. That's uh, awesome. And I will see you guys on the next one.